You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. everyone and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Several years ago, I worked with some researchers from the University of Michigan and a bunch of other institutions to help study what's going on on the internet. That's Nick Sullivan. He's the head of cryptography at Cloudflare. The research we're discussing today is titled Monsters in the Middle Boxes, introducing two new tools for detecting HTTPS interception. Cloudflare is in a great position to be able to see a large percentage of what traffic is flowing over the internet. and help study what clients are actually making these requests and what traffic on the internet actually looks like. And during that period, we were developing new technologies for encrypting the internet. So Cloudflare was one of the first proponents of a protocol called TLS 1.3, which is uh, the latest web encryption standard for anytime you see that nice little lock icon in in your browser and HTTPS, TLS is the protocol that encrypts it. And so Mm. when we were developing TLS 1.3, we're we're really changing what the protocol looks like on the wire. So we were bumping the version number, we were changing a couple uh, fields around in there. And when actually deploying this protocol, there were some unexpected failures and unexpected issues. And Mm. it turned out that these were caused by the way that the architecture of the internet is built for some users. So it turned out that some users in corporate environments or in managed infrastructures, the encryption between the browser and the website was not actually fully end-to-end. In fact, this is something that we knew, but how widespread it was wasn't really well known to us. So it turns out that there's several companies and organizations 
who provides services to allow corporation or whatever the managed service it is that's providing internet or for people in a corporate environment or a high school or a university or things like this to be able to inspect encrypted traffic and then make editorial decisions or block malware. There, there's, there's many different reasons that you'd want to look inside of encrypted connections. And so it turned out that these middle boxes, which these were often actually pieces of hardware that were, that were shipped to corporations to help inspect this traffic, were causing some issues with TLS 1.3. They were not necessarily compatible with some of the new changes that were happening. And so in this study, we tried to figure out what it was that was going on and in what way is traffic between what a user sees with the nice lock icon and typing in the actual HTTPS URL on their site and uh, how that traffic transmits from the browser to the server and back, whether or not this is end-to-end -end encrypted. And uh, if not, what is actually going on? This was the kernel of the, the research project that we did. And this was um, published in NDSS, which is a computer security journal. And th this kind of led us down the trail of seeing how we could actually take this kind of one-time study that was done with uh, these researchers and turn it into a continuous dashboard that, that people could see what's happening on the internet is evolving. Let's walk through together some of the basics here for folks who may not be up on it. Can you walk us through how TLS works? If I'm not in a corporate environment, it's just me and my computer and I'm trying to connect to someone else and we have that secure connection, what's going on there? If you're typing in, say, www.securesite.com into your browser, there's several steps. The first is DNS, which is the domain name system lookup. This is what your computer uses to translate a, a name to an IP address. So uh, your computer does the request to a DNS server, which then tells you an IP address, whether IPv4 or IPv6. And then your machine has the address of the server that's connecting to. And then it begins what's called the TLS handshake. And the, the TLS handshake is a back and forth that the browser and the web server do in order to establish shared cryptographic keys that can be used to encrypt and authenticate any subsequent request and response that comes between your browser and the website. And part of this handshake is used for the server to prove ownership over that hostname. So the server provides a certificate and the certificate was issued by a trusted certificate authority and it says, you know, mysecuresite.com in it. And this certificate is associated with a key that is used to, to sign the handshake. So the way the handshake goes is the client uh, sends a first message called the client hello, which indicates which cryptographic algorithms it supports. And the server will respond with a server hello that says, great, of the algorithms that you've advertised support for, here's the ones that I choose. And also here's my certificate. And here's the proof that I actually control the key associated with the certificate. And then from that point onwards, the communication between the client and the server is encrypted and authenticated. So anybody seeing this traffic along the internet really only sees encrypted packets. So they can't really tell what you're requesting, what the content of the website is, or uh, anything you're sending from that point onwards. I see. And then so in these corporate environments that you describe where uh, someone has the opportunity to inject themselves into this stream, what's happening there? In environments in which you have your machine is managed as a user, you, you may have a phone that has a mobile device management profile. This is, this is a system in which the, the corporation 
installs some additional software to, to, to help onboard you onto the system. What happens is rather than the server using its certificate to complete this connection, when the client connects outward from the network, it actually goes to this piece of hardware called a TLS intercepting middlebox. And this TLS intercepting middlebox has the ability to basically print out any certificate it likes for any website that it likes at all. So the certificate itself is not by a publicly trusted certificate authority, but it's by a specific certificate authority that's specific to that corporation home. So your device, you get enrolled into the system, and typically there's a, a set of trusted global certificate authorities that your browser trusts, and you will only trust websites that have certificates from those certificate authorities. When you're enrolled into one of these systems, they install a corporate certificate authority. And this corporate certificate authority is something that the middle box is able to issue certificates from. And so when you think that you're connecting to the actual website itself, in fact, you're getting a certificate that is created by this middle box. And so your connection is end-to-end -end encrypted between your browser and this middle box. And then the middle box decrypts the traffic and then creates its own TLS connection from the middle box out to the website. And so effectively, you are getting an encrypted connection to the middle box, and then the middle box has an encrypted connection to the website itself. And the main reasons that this goes on, that the things that folks want to look at are what? Well, oftentimes there are restrictions with regard to what type of content that people want to, a lot of people to, to, to view at work. There's also restrictions with respect to what type of data can be transmitted outside of the enterprise. So DLP or data loss protection is a requirement in several compliance regimes to uh, make sure that the folks that are inside the company aren't sharing private corporate information outside of their corporate bounds. And so these middle boxes can sometimes detect this and report it and can, you can kind of catch people leaking private information. Oftentimes it's also used to see if you have, if there's malware, if there's some sort of virus or something on the user's computer that is attempting to reach out to some kind of command and control server or some orchestrator that, that, that lives outside the corporate bounds. So you're looking for people leaking data, you're looking to restrict the types of websites and content that people can view at work, and you're looking to uh, try to prevent malware or detect malware inside uh, a corporate network. And so your research was looking at different types of interception of HTTPS traffic. What were you looking at here? We knew that these connections for a large percentage of the internet were not end-to-end. And so we knew there were corporate middle boxes. We knew that there are services like antiviruses that effectively do the same thing, where the antivirus software is installed on your machine and acts as a software middle box on your machine to, to look for different malware signatures. And uh, we didn't know exactly how widespread these were or which specific technologies were used and which technologies were used to what extent. And so this is really what we were looking for, is what is going on for the, for the percentage of the internet that is not actually the browser connecting to the server directly. From the server's perspective, we can tell that it's not actually the browser. And in TLS, there's certain fingerprintable characteristics that are innate to uh, the type of TLS client software you're using. So I mentioned in the client hello, you list the cryptographic parameters that you support. 
well, some of these middle boxes don't necessarily support the same ciphers as a browser. So you can tell whether or not the request to the server is actually being sent from the middle box or from the antivirus provider or directly from the browser because it's there's a unique fingerprint for each of these pieces of software. And so we were trying to figure out what these are. And uh, from that, whether or not these connections are secure. The browsers invest a lot of time trying to use the best possible encryption algorithms and use different techniques like certificate transparency and various ways to make sure that these connections are actually safe and secure. And browsers invest a lot of time and have big security teams to do so. And we were trying to see if these middleboxes or these antivirus services, whatever these man in the middle as you might call it, these middleware pieces of software, whether or not they, they were secure, essentially gave a, a letter grade to whether or not they're following the best practices with respect to um, what you would expect a browser to do to have a secure TLS connection. And what did you discover? How did they rate? Well, some of them were quite good, but some of them failed quite miserably. In fact, some antivirus services that, that, that we discovered did things like not even validating the certificate at all. So if you imagine you're going to a website and your browser connects to the local antivirus middlebox, and then that antivirus middlebox would connect out to the website, um, some attacker in between could potentially hijack that connection because the antivirus itself was not checking that certificate. Other things we found were uh, using weak and outdated ciphers. Some of them were using ciphers like RC4, which have had known vulnerabilities over the last five years or so, but they were still using these old technologies. So the, the letter grades rated from, some of them had a really good rating of, of an A that we sort of marked as, uh, as equivalent to how a browser would, would do their TLS encryption to some that were a straight F, which actually destroyed all semblance of security that you, you would want to have from an end-to-end -end crypto connection. So the, the lock icon itself is supposed to indicate trust. And, and in some cases, these middle boxes, they had bugs and they were violating this trust. Would there be an, any way that the user would know that they had a problem? In fact, not really, uh, <laughs> which is one of the disturbing pieces. In corporate mode, if you will, where um, your browser is connecting to a site and it's trusting a non-publicly trusted CA, some corporate CA or some antivirus CA, there's no real indication to the client that you're using one of these other CAs or that the certificate provided by the website is not a real web publicly trusted certificate. And furthermore, there's no indication to the user what type of TLS the second hop of the connection is, is using. So users really had no way to know. And so what are the ramifications of that? There's several ramifications, first of which is user security for a lot of these situations is decreased. And this is actually a, a surprising situation because oftentimes these middle bosses and antivirus programs are implemented in order to increase user security, you know, protect them from malware, protect them from other things that are malicious on the network. But in the end, it turns out to be weakening their encryption. So this is something that we did report uh, in the original paper to a lot of these providers, the ones that we could identify. And they managed to, in, in many cases, update their software, do things more safely. At the very least, it, it exposed this as a potential problem. And uh, it exposed the fact that if you are going to be doing uh, this type of inspection for compliance reasons or 
or for whatever reason that you'd want to be doing it, that you really should take very, very good care of how you do it because building a secure TLS implementation is challenging to do. And browser companies invest a lot of money and time and uh, expertise in this. And, and sometimes these, these middle vendor, middle box vendors don't necessarily have the resources to do so. So it became something that was kind of a call to action to the industry to to improve their best practices. And were you able to observe any instances where these were actually being exploited out in the wild? It's not something that we particularly looked for in this study. We were more looking for the signatures of the connections and trying to figure out, you know, what actually was happening on the internet. This is more of a, a measurement exploration study itself. And we didn't necessarily look for specific instances of exploitation, but you can't necessarily rule it out. So uh, based on what you've learned here, what are your recommendations? How do people best protect themselves? Well, if you're a corporation, ask your vendor uh, how strong their TLS connection is uh, with respect to connecting from the middle box up to the server. So we created a service called MITM Engine, which is something that can, on the, on the server side, you can detect which of your clients are actually using one of these inspection services, and you can kind of provide recommendations. So as somebody who's operating server, uh, you can inform users that potentially whatever their corporation is using for middle boxes is not doing the right thing. This is something that our open source library is able to do to provide to people. And overall, it's also indicating that there is room for a philosophy change with respect to how corporations deal with internal security. So the numbers that we, that we see, we have this dashboard, it's uh, called malcolm.cloudflare.com, where we, we take the daily statistics and aggregate them and look at the fingerprints and say, is this really coming from a browser? Uh, do we really think that this is coming from the browser that is sending the request? And our rates of interception that we're seeing are, are somewhere around 30%. Around a third of internet users are potentially vulnerable to someone doing a bad job on one of these middle boxes. And so it becomes very important for these providers to, to do a really good job and, and put them through, through thorough testing. What I was mentioning in terms of, of philosophy, it does bring you to this opinion that, uh, or the, this, this possibility that doing something that is pro-security, in this case, having an inspection looking for malware, trying to protect users, is actually putting them at risk. And hmm. it, it might be doing less of a service than, than what you really think it is. Is there any sense that this is kind of a set it and forget it kind of thing where people set up these systems in their in their organizations, as long as it keeps running and it's working, it's not something that they go back and check in on to make sure that it's doing what it should be doing? Yeah, exactly. Browsers have been at the forefront of uh, computer security with respect to auto updates. And so whenever a browser has a vulnerability, they're, they're on a pretty frequent schedule of auto-updating. There's something mm. of a, mm -hmm. a six-week cadence for something like Chrome. So they're constantly scouting the world, looking for vulnerabilities, deciding to change which ciphers they're using, implementing new things like TLS 1.3, which is a, a much more secure protocol, and updating. This is not the norm for all security products. I would wish it would be, and I think most of us in the security community uh, think auto-update is, is a great idea. But browsers are really at the forefront, and some of these other technologies are, as you said, kind of set it and forget it, and often they don't get patched automatically, or if they do get patched, it's something that's manual and can cause downtime. And so 
having your TLS endpoints be something that's more frequently updated is is likely going to result in better security than than having it be something that's some appliance in you know the back room of the data center that you don't necessarily update. Some of these middle boxes they do attempt to replicate the signature of the of the browser underneath it, and those can be be detected as well. So we we built several different techniques here to detect this, and and it's based on just the variety of things you can do in TLS. There's different extensions you can support. There's different ciphers you can support. And then there's different quirks that involve which order different extensions are or which order different ciphers are in. And so if you have the time to dig into the Malcolm dashboard, you can, you can take a look at what these different appliances and pieces of software do. It's interesting to explore which types of devices are more likely man in the middle than others. And this can give anybody who's generally interested uh, some insight into uh, what types of corporate environments are more likely to do interception, which ones are not. Our thanks to Nick Sullivan from Cloudflare for joining us. The research is titled Monsters in the Middle Boxes, introducing two new tools for detecting HTTPS interception. We'll have a link in the show notes. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>